0: You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Now, Psalms 139 says this uh, starting in verse 14. This is the Passion version. He said, I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Another translation of this verse says, man, I thank you, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So, you know, the writer of this this song, this is a song to God, this praise and worship song to God, is saying, God, I wanna thank you for making me the way you did. You know, so often, uh, as people, we compare ourselves so much to others that we're not really thankful for what God's done for us. Let me say it again. A lot of times we're so busy comparing ourselves to others or, or thinking about what we don't have or what we can't do or what we're not capable of doing or what we don't look like or what we don't this, that, and another thing that we're not thankful for what God has done. The psalm is there say, God, I thank you, man. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You 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 uh you you made me a, a mysteriously complex. He said everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. When the Bible says fearful, it doesn't. It's not talking about being afraid. That term there means marvelous. Like it's awesome how you made me. You know he's not saying that out of pride. Like look at me and you know I'm all that and a bag of chips. You know. That's an old term. It's an old lady's term. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, look at me uh, at a pride. He's, he's saying, man, God, I appreciate that you made us all similar, but all unique at the same time. He's saying it's amazing to me how, how, how you can make us all similar but unique all at the same time. That's, that's crazy cool. And that's what he's, he's saying is, God, this is, this is marvelously breathtaking. This is crazy cool. He said, it simply amazes me to think about it. To think about what? Just how we're made. You know, you have systems in your body. You have a system in your body. You have cardiovascular system. You have an immune system. You have all these different systems. You have a, you have a muscular system. You have you have uh, you have opti- optical nerves and you have eyes that that run from the front of your head that paint pictures in your mind that are so detailed. It's so crazy, cool. I mean, that system right there is mind blowing. Mind blowing. Just the just the eyeballs and how they work and uh, just crazy how that how that functions. And that's what he's. He's looking at the he's looking at the universe, and he's looking at the human body, and he's like, this is incredible what you have done, God. I stand in awe of it, he says. It's, it's incredible, it's marvelous, breathtaking. He says this. How uh, he said, it simply amazes me to think about it how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created. Everybody say created. Created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You know, he said created. We're not an evolved uh, uh, species. We're a created being. We're not an evolved animal. We're We're a marvelously, incredibly designed, created person. I mean, it's amazing. And so if you have a designer, that means you're designed for something. They designed you for something. And that's the point of this psalm is is to speak about the design that God has for you, particularly you specifically, and us corporately as a church. So he goes on to say this. He says, you carefully, carefully shaping me from nothing to something, Verse 16, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. He said, before I was even in the womb, you saw me already. You know, before anything is created, someone sees it. You know, I remember they were asking, I think it was Michelangelo. He was carving David, and I think after he was finished, the person had saw the rock that they delivered, and then they saw David. Uh, the, the sculpture of David, how incredible it was? And they said, golly, man, you looked at a rock, he said, and you made that, he said, I never saw the rock. He said, when the rock showed up, I already saw David. It's like giving an artist a canvas. They don't see the canvas. They're not staring at a blank canvas. They look at that blank canvas and they see a picture. I know how to dream. I dream all the time. Man, I I see, when you dream and when you see, when you design something, you see it already. God saw you before you were even formed. He didn't see an empty womb, he saw you. He saw how he was gonna design you, how he was gonna create you. I just wonder how often We have ever said, God, thank you for fearfully and wonderfully making me, me. He said, I made you, you. If we would spend a lot more time thanking God for who and what we are and what the gifts and talents he's given us, instead of comparing ourselves to others or thinking about what we don't have, man, I tell you, we would fulfill, we'd have a lot more Christians who who know God fulfill their destiny, you have to change your focus. Next week, I'm gonna talk about the four things that you have to do in order to fulfill your destiny with God. But this week, I just wanna talk about how, how he's created us and how unique each person is. And then he says this, before I'd even seen the light of day, the number of days you planned, everybody say planned, planned. for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment, you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake each morning, you're still with me. You hang out with me. You created me. You saw me before I ever existed. You designed me. You planned me. You created me. You did all this for me. I'm hoping in this new series that, that is entitled Unlikely People, Unlikely Places, that you see that God's not, he's not looking for the, the, the best and brightest and the most talented, the most gifted uh, uh, at every arena. He's just looking for you. He already made you and designed you and created you for a purpose. You know, every year that we do graduations, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, we have the parents, right? We probably have that in about 60% of all the letters. Quote this scripture. It says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. Do you know God has a plan for you? He has a plan. He says, I have for you, declares the Lord. And the reason he uses the word Lord here is because he's referencing the creator, the designer, the Lord God. So he's saying, out of my lordship, I created a plan specifically for you. I have a plan for you. Plans to prosper. Now, in my notes, I I put Roman number one, you were born to win. He said, I had a plan for you, I created you to win. I created you to overcome, not underachieve. I created you to overcome, not be defeated. He has plans for you and designed you to be a winner. God said about himself, I am a victorious warrior, and I created you in my likeness and my image. I created you to be victorious. I created you to prosper you. I have a plan to prosper you. I have a plan, not, not that there won't be any obstacles, not that there won't be any issues, but I created you to overcome them, and not them overcome you. That's the plan. That's God's plan. You were born to win not to lose. And I don't care what circumstances you came from. I know people that are the product of rape. And they say, man, yeah, man, I was born out of a rape. No, that might, that's what have happened to your mom, unfortunately. But the good thing, good news is God knew. He's not surprised by you. You're still fearfully and wonderfully made. I know people that, that you know, they, they were born in crack houses. I know them personally. They were born in crack houses or born addicted to drugs. I don't care if you were born in the White House or in the outhouse. God knew you were coming. He designed you. You're special. You're wonderfully made. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. Don't take my word for it. Take his don't take my word for it. This isn't some feel-good, rah-rah uh, speech or sermon. This is the word of God. This is God, your creator. I don't know if he's your father or not. That's between you and him. You have to choose that. But he's your creator. And he said, I created you with a purpose. Well, there's no way God created me with a purpose and I'm five foot, nothing. <laughs> and you know you're not five foot. You're five, four four-eleven and three-quarters. But you're claiming 5'1 or whatever you're doing. Listen, man, you need to own that. Whether you're 6'5 five or 5', five listen, God created you to be 5'. Well, I wish He'd have done something different. Wow. Because that's what a lot of people think. Why didn't He give me her hair? Why didn't he give me those eyes? Or why didn't he make me 6'5"? Or why didn't he make me stronger, bigger, faster? Why didn't he make me smarter? Let me tell you something. He made you exactly how he wanted to make you. You have a purpose and a plan. And as long as you spend all your time thinking about what you don't have or trying to be somebody else or trying to, or being constantly comparing or being envious or jealous of others, then you'll never fulfill the plan of God for your life. He has a purpose for you. It's unique. He designed it. He's the architect of not only who you are and how you're made, but he's the architect of your purpose, of your destiny. He says this declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you. You know, it it really grieves me when Christians, even Chris pastors and people who claim to know God, blame God for everything. Blame God for everything. They say, God gave me cancer, or God did this to me, or God did that to me. Do you know about 90% of what happens to us negatively is our choices? Amen. You know, until you take responsibility for your own choices, you'll never get to fulfill the destiny that God has for you. You got to take some responsibility. You know, I was talking to Tori, a guy who goes to church here, he owns a tree service, does a great job. And Tori was looking at my yard and telling me what what he's going to do with my trees and stuff, cut trees. And so uh, he was telling me about the first time he got a chainsaw. First time he ever got a hold of a chainsaw, he made money cutting stuff man he started making money immediately first chainsaw he ever had now he's built a great business from one chainsaw to, to man he's built a great business but uh, so he was telling me about the first chainsaw he ever had he, he started making money right off the bat first chainsaw I ever operated I cut my knee wide open now I could say God he made money I cut my leg open what's wrong with you God no that happened because of me now, I've told you, I learned my lesson. I am the poster boy for OSHA now. I have chaps. I have a helmet. I mean, I'm the poster boy. If, if OSHA wanted to say, don't cut a tree without this equipment, just, if you work for OSHA, come to my house. I'll put all my stuff on. You can take a picture of me. I got everything now. Why? Because I realized I'd take responsibility for what happened to me because it was my fault. But... Just like the children of Israel, every time they faced an obstacle, they blamed God. And what they were saying is, God, you, 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 they would say it, you brought us here to hurt us. Just because on your journey, even in the middle of God's will, you face obstacles, God, God, didn't, God didn't create them to hurt you. Let me say this, not only do you have to take responsibility, you have to stop blaming God. He said, I didn't create you, and I don't have a, my destiny is not to harm you. We're about 90% our choices, about 10% the devil. He said, I didn't create you to harm you. He said, I created you to prosper you. I created you to win. You were born by God's design to be an overcoming winner not a loser. Every human being on the planet were born was born for, with his design to win, not to lose. He said, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. It always amazes me how God has to constantly defend himself against human beings. The children of Israel 10 times blamed God for stuff that wasn't, I mean, they didn't trust him. Every time they had an obstacle or a roadblock, it's like, God, you turned on us. It's, listen, every obstacle and roadblock isn't designed to hurt you. It's, you're designed to overcome it. He's trying to make you better, not worse. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. He said plans not to harm you. Then he says this. I have plans to give you a hope. That's a confident expectation. Hope is a confident expectation. He said, I have plans to give you hope. That means right now and in the future. A confident expectation. Then he says, end of future. So he wants you to have a confident expectation now of something good happening and tomorrow something good happening. But most people, they don't have a confident expectation of now or tomorrow. A lot of people are living in the past. They're living in the past, and we'll talk about that next week. A lot of people are either living in the past or they're living in the future. Or some people are living in another time. They're like, man, if only I was born in 1900. Or man, I'd have been better if I was born in 1850. Or man, I wish I was born back in the 1200s. And uh, man, I wish, I wish I was born in the future where life would be better. And we, have, we live in the Mars. And you know, a lot of people, they spend their time daydreaming about living in another time, in another place and experiencing a different life. Let me say something, a designer, in an architect at the level that God is, he designed you the way the way you are. He designed you with the gifts, talents, intellect, size. I won't say weight, because we, we can change that. Uh, size, color of skin, color of hair, he, color of eyes. He designed you for this day, right now, today. You, you were created for this moment. You were designed, if you're here and breathing, you were designed to live in 2022. You were created for this purpose. This is where, man, we gotta learn to live right here, right now. And if you were supposed to be in Dallas, I would say most likely that's where you'd be right now. So you're not only designed to live in this time period, in this day right now, you are designed right here, right now. Most of you are in the right place. You are are called to live in Roswell, America. So stop daydreaming about going here, there, and some other place. And start focusing on where God has you right now. Where God has you right now. If you don't do that, you'll never discover your destiny. If you don't do that, you'll never see why God created you. Most of you, most people are doing partially or somewhat close to what they are called to do. The Close. But close doesn't completely fulfill you. Let me say that again. Close doesn't completely fulfill you. So God created this. Systems in our body, our cardiovascular system, our muscular system, our immune system. He us, gives us eyes to see, ears to hear, a, a nose to smell, a tongue to taste, fingers to touch. Then he gave us something else. He gave us a brain. Uh, Isaac uh, Asimov said, the most complex and orderly arrangement of matter in the universe is the human brain. Most complex and organized matter in all of the universe is the human brain. God is incredible, and he incredibly made you. Incredibly made you. But he also made you with this. Go with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. We always go to the word, right, church? Anytime you have a question or you're in doubt, I want to encourage you. Go to the word. 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 Always go to the word. You're making a decision? Go to the word. You're making a decision, go to the Word. Go and do what the Word of God says to do and you'll have much better results. You'll get God results. So in Romans chapter one, verse 20, he says this. He said, opposition to, uh, to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. God says he is, he's not a truth, he's the truth. And he said, opposition to the truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance. What is he talking about? You know, people ask me, Pastor Troy, what about the people that were born in like 1200 and they're living in the Amazon and they've never heard about God? This is is the answer to that. This is the answer to that. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance because from the creation of the world. So he's saying... The world was created even before humans were created. He said, so from the very creation, from Adam and Eve on, every human being does not have something. And that's, that's an excuse. He said, because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature, I'm sorry, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made Visible. The invisible qualities of who God is have been made visible, such as his eternal power and his transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. God said, listen, All you had to do in the year 1200 or the year 2022 is look around you. What you see, what is visible, what you can touch, feel, experience, tells you there is a transcendent God. An all-powerful God. And then it should tell you that he's good. Well, why should it tell me that? You breathing? You have plenty of oxygen? Did he not make beauty in what we see? Even ungodly people can look and say, man, that's, that's, that's beautiful. You know, I, I got the privilege uh, because of uh, uh, Ernie and Yoli's family, the Lopez's. Uh, Garrett, my son, and I got the privilege of going to Alaska, uh, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember, in the last year or two. And I had never been there, and I've seen pictures and docu- documentaries and all kinds of stuff about Alaska, but man, I tell you, until you're standing there, on a boat in that in that bay, and you got that 360 panoramic view, the beauty of it, the immensity of it, the gorgeousness of it, you just, you can't see it in, in a picture, in a video, in a movie. You have to see it with your own eyes. And, and God said, I made it, I made this stuff so visible, whether it's the stars, the sun is an amazing thing. That You know, if we're just a little bit off, I mean a fraction off from the sun, Guys, we either are a frozen planet or we're a burned up planet. I mean, the sun is an amazing thing that it warms our, uh, I, just, I could go off on it. It just amazes me, the science behind that, the physics, that, the math that went into that, how, how brilliant God is. And he said, listen, you can look at a human being and say, my gosh, how did he make us like this? Look at a bird, look at an animal, look at the trees, look at the forest, look at the jungle, look at anything. He said, listen, by what is visible, I have said that I exist. And not only that I exist, but that I'm good. Listen, there shouldn't be a starving human being. We got more food on this planet. There shouldn't be, the only reason there's a starving human being is because people wanna cooperate with the devil. That's it, that's the only reason. We got plenty of food. We got plenty of, man, we got, a, we got enough oil and gas in America right here in this area to supply the world for a 1,000 years in North America. I'm serious. I'm not joking. Look it up. Between Mexico, America, Canada, and Alaska, this area, between these areas, just this area right here, we can supply the whole world with gas for oil forever. Got so much. I mean, we got, we got more than enough of everything we need. More than enough. More than enough. And we should see by his visible attributes that he is not only, he's an awesome God. That he's just so much bigger than us and beyond us. And that he is good. He's good. We should see that he is good. And he said, There's, everybody's without excuse. I made, made it so visible. I've made, I put it right in front of you. When you see a beautiful mountain or a beautiful ocean, or man, even the worldly people go, "That's gorgeous." I mean, do they think that beauty, that that work of art, happened? (laughs) That'd be like looking at the Mona Lisa and thinking that somebody just blew up a bunch of paint and painted that. That's ridiculous. He said, they're without excuse. And he says this too. He said, because you're without excuse, you know that you have a hole in you that only God can fit. You'll never know your purpose, your destiny, until you submit to the lordship of God, to the designer, the architect. I've been part of multi-million dollars. I've led multi-million dollar construction projects. I've led them. Listen, you have to submit to the drawings. You have to submit to the designers or everything's off. Everything's off. And until you submit your life and say, God, my personality, my intellect, my five foot nothing, my six five something, whatever I got, my personality, I submit it to you. Most people live their lives, unfortunately, leaning on the worst parts of their personality instead of the best parts. Most people. Uh, say uh, I can't change or I don't want to change or I, I don't have the ability to grow or change and they live in this in this negative world and they're like I said constantly comparing and not, instead of looking and letting God be your mirror I, I taught Wednesday night that God says his word is your mirror let this word be your mirror and your truth you're fearfully and wonderfully made you're special, you're unique let me give you, let me give you another scripture on this Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is even more powerful. He just, he just spells it out for us. It's incredible. He says this. In Ephesians two ten. he says, we have become as poetry, another word there in another translation says masterpiece. Listen, when's the last time you ever said, God, I thank you, you made me... A masterpiece that each one of us is similar but so uniquely different, and yet my uniqueness, my differences are exactly what you wanted me to have. He said, We have become, as poetry's masterpiece, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny. Everybody say, Destiny. He has has given each of us, every one of us has a destiny. And sometimes we think, well, it's to be rich and famous and Elon Musk or this person or or one of the Kardashian people or whatever. Listen, all of them are living without Jesus. They might be fulfilling part of their destiny, but they'll never really know their true purpose without submission, submission to the Lordship of Christ. That's why their personal lives are a wreck. You don't want their life. I promise you don't. Because you see the glitz and glamour, you don't see what's going on. Look at, listen to the the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. That's what's going on behind closed doors. It's a nightmare. It's not a dream. It's a nightmare. Without Jesus, it's all. It's all. It's either going to be a nightmare or it's going to be extremely unfulfilling. He said he has a destiny for each one of us. He says this, For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned, every say planned, planned, in advance our destiny and the good news we would do, uh, in the good, the good works we would do to fulfill it. Well, Pastor, what destiny do I have? Ask Abraham. God chose Abraham you know, Abraham was the son of an idol maker. He lived in a place where everybody worshiped false idols. He didn't know God. God had introduced himself to Abraham. They all knew there was a God, but they created God in their own image to satisfy their life. That's what most people do. Most, there's not a people group around the world that doesn't have some kind of God, some kind of deity. But they always create it because instead of looking for the truth and the one true God, they, they always create a God that fits their lifestyle. That's how they miss it. They always create a God that fits their lifestyle and allow, gives them permission to live evil, to live wrong. But abrahams he's a family member. His daddy, he's raised to be an idol worker, an idol worshiper, and his daddy's an idol maker. And Abraham, he's not a young guy when he leaves. He's almost 75 years old. So he's participated in all that. And God shows up and says, Abraham, I'm God. And Abraham says, okay, I believe it. He's called the father of faith for saying that. And he says, I'm not only God, but Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham becomes this great man because God said about him, I chose him because I knew that if he knew me, he would raise his son to know me. His destiny was to be a daddy. That's it. To be a dad. Now, most people don't, well, it's not special to be a dad. Oh, yes, it is. He birthed the nation. I birthed the tribe, Julie and I did. <laughs> I, I helped, I breathed. He he-hoo-hoo. Hoo. I can do the hee hee-hoos. Hoo, but he said, before you were even born, he already had a plan and a destiny and a purpose for you. Church family, and you got to grab a hold of that. Now I'm gonna give you the greatest revelation the history of man right now. Pastor Troy, you're going to give, yep, I'm going to give you the greatest revelation in the history of mankind. All seven billion people on the planet need to hear this. So get ready, get ready. You got your pens? You got, you're ready to type? You better tweet this out. You better get ready. Here it is. Here it is. We're all a little messy. Well, that's not a great revelation. Oh, yeah, it is. You, you don't get it. You, 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 don't, you don't really get it. You're messy. I'm messy. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We all have issues. Listen to me. You, you, I know most of you don't get it. I know you don't. Because you look at those issues and you say, because I have these issues, I can't. And you, you're, you're partially right. You can't. But with God's help, you can Abraham's the son of an idol maker, worshiping idols, probably making idols, probably in the family business. He ends up in the Bible. He's the father of faith. He's, 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 he's a daddy. He's a good daddy. He taught his son Isaac about God. That's what he did. It's what a guy called him. He birthed the whole nation called Israel. Listen, Joseph comes from an extreme. You think you come from a dis- dysfunctional family? Joseph's family's so dysfunctional, his brothers sell him his to a bunch of slave traders. Now, I know some of my kids have come to me and said, hey, have you ever considered selling Tucker to, to some slave traders? <laughs> no, I know as a little brother, I thought about that with my big brothers. But, but listen, they actually took him, beat him up, threw him in a, in a hole, then, duck, then drug him out of the hole and sold him to slave traders. That's how dysfunctional his family is. He serves as a slave for 10 years. Then he gets falsely accused and convicted of rape. Now he's a convicted rapist and he serves three years in prison. He becomes the leader of all of Egypt and he saves not only his family from starvation, he saves all the known world in that whole area, hundreds of thousands of people from starvation. It ends up being the leader, the head, the second in charge of all the most powerful nation in the world. Let's try Moses. Moses is is put in a river, floated down the river because Satan's trying to kill him already trying to take his life from him so he floats he gets floated down the river picked up by one of the princesses of Egypt raised as a prince of Egypt fine you know he he discovers and knows he's a Jew and he sees what's happening so he murders a guy and because he's a murderer he runs away he ends up in a desert gets adopted by this guy and becomes a shepherd you have to understand that was the worst and lowest position in the whole known world was to be a shepherd so he goes from a prince to a, the, low, the highest position to the lowest position. He's a murderer. Not only that, he's got a major stuttering problem. And God says, "Moses, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh." And he's like, "I can't talk." And because he saw it as a limitation, God, that he might have been healed from stuttering right then. But because he, he saw what he could not do, instead of saying, well, God, if you sent me, you'll equip me, he said, well, okay, now I'm gonna have to send someone with you. And he, he saw all the things he couldn't do. God sees all the things he can do despite all these other issues. God says, I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm looking for obedient people. I'm looking for willing people. Because there's no one perfect. And you got messy stuff, and I've had messy stuff, and you got some dysfunction, and so do I. But if you focus on the negatives and say, well, God, I can't because, then you'll never get to. You just got to say, God, whatever you want me to do, you'll equip me, you'll strengthen me, you'll grow me, you'll change me, you'll equip me, and then I'll go do it. Some people sit back and go, Well, I'm I'm 65, I'm retired. Listen, if that's your attitude, then you're gonna be retired. Watch your life is gonna go just like that. I'm gonna do what I want to do. Watch your life. I know people serve God hot and heavy, and then they retire and they're like, Well, we're just gonna go do whatever we wanna do, how we wanna do it. Yeah, go ahead. Watch what happens. What you just said to God is, because I'm 65 or 70, I'm finished. Listen, Moses was 80 years old. Abraham, Abraham was 75 when he started the walk. He wasn't 100 until he fulfilled the will. Age has no factor. Noah, Noah's got them all beat. Noah was 500 years old in a mess. You know, you know Noah was a mess? He was the most righteous man alive. But you know what he did right after the flood? He got drunk and naked. Seriously, he got drunk and naked. He wasn't no perfect being either. The only perfect being is Jesus Christ Amen. that's ever existed on this planet. We're not gonna be perfect. <laughs> but you can, you can submit to his will and fulfill his purpose. Mary wasn't perfect. Well, she was a virgin, good for her. She was 14, she better be a virgin. She wasn't perfect, she just submitted. Why did God choose Mary? He chose Mary because he knew Mary would say, Father, whatever you said, let your will be done in my life. That's why he chose Mary. That's why he chose Mary. I said, that's why he chose, and he chose Mary too, because he, he knew she was engaged to Joseph and knew Joseph would submit to his will too. He chose them. They weren't rich, they weren't famous, they were nobodies. Look at Jesus, our Savior. He's born to nobody's in the world's eyes, somebody's in God's eyes, in a barn. In a barn. And people saw that. You know, it's crazy. Philip goes and sees Jesus. He comes back and tells his friend Nathaniel, he says, Nathaniel, I've met the Messiah. He's like, well, where is he from? Nazareth. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Roswell? Can anything good come out of your family? My answer to that question, if you submit it to God, man, he already promised something really good. He promised you victory. He promised you overcoming. You know, I wanted to show you just part of this. We're going to pick this up next week. Oh, I got so much to show you, church. But I I want to show you something before we leave this, this morning. So put up that first picture. This is Church on the Move. This is our whole sanctuary across the street 20 years ago. That's it right there. That's the whole adult church. And you should... You should have smelled the rest of the church. Because <laughs> we had to move the nurseries. We, had, we didn't have a foyer. We had hallway. It was about probably five feet wide. And they were surrounded by nurseries. And then it had a youth room. Then it had this other room. Show the next picture. <laughs> That's, I'll get to the next, but it had, it had the KOTM room. And so the sanctuary was surrounded by all these children's classrooms. And man, every time you walked in our front doors, it smelled like dirty diapers. Seriously, it was awful. <laughs> it was messy. And then if you walked in the youth room, there'd be like 50 teenagers in there, 60 sweating Oh my, it smelled like dirty socks. Kid you not, we couldn't get the dirty sock smell out of it. In KOTM, I don't, man, I don't know if you know this, but your kids are really stinky. You put 30 of them in a room, they stink. Am I right, coach? They can stink, man. And then he sends these people. <laughs> my brother's a UPS driver in Tulsa. We weighed about a buck thirty, cause man, that's, man that he man in that sweatbox UPS truck, man, he, he's skinnier than a rail. He doesn't look skinny there though. Pastor, and he got to gain some weight, but then he married Cindy. Cindy, my brother's a UPS driver. He's living in a duplex next to another duplex where Cindy lives. Cindy's a single mom, and her life's a mess. Cindy's always been super organized. That's her gift, but even though her life is organized, it's still a wreck. And she doesn't know Jesus at all. And a UPS driver moves next door to her and thinks she's good looking. Seriously. So he begins to talk to her. He ends up leading Cindy to Jesus. Cindy thought she was born and raised and would die in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She doesn't like Mexican food. I told you, people aren't perfect and they're extremely dysfunctional. So he sends this lady who does not, she only eats like five things. She doesn't like Mexican food at all. My brother gets hired part-time to work for a church on the move in Tulsa, Pastor Willie George, and then he gets laid off. He basically gets fired. They called it laid off. But he laid off a bunch of people at the church, so he gets laid off, and so he loses the only job he's ever had in the ministry. And now he's now he's not in the ministry, not even part time. He's he's driving for UPS. Cindy works at Albertsons; she works on their computer systems at Albertsons. And he, he has led Cindy to Jesus. He's raising Brooke now. Now he adopts Brooke, uh, 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 his daughter. Uh, Cindy's a, a, a biological child but not his he adopts Brooke and then all of a sudden God opens a door to come here to the most dysfunctional church in the country the pastor was sleeping with the associate pastor's wife and they the money they, the books were so bad and the money was so jacked up you couldn't you didn't know it, it's like it's crazy dysfunctional unbelievably dysfunctional and they come and they have to close down that other church, which is called Living Waters, close it completely down because it was a disaster. And the church when he got here was about 125 people and it quickly went down to about 90 to 75. He quickly ran a bunch of people off. And, but then the church began to grow and he used these unlikely people. And then seven years into that, he brings this other couple. That The young guy right there, that was me 20 years ago. Uh, and that's my beautiful wife. She still looks beautiful. Um, but brings us. And you're talking about two unlikely people. Julie's born and raised in church and gets saved at five and serves Jesus all her life. I, I'm I'm doing everything in the world the opposite of her. And I, I'm like God. We must balance each other out. She did all the things right. I did nothing right. So that's that's kind of a balance. And we end up getting married. <laughs> And I'm a businessman, all of a sudden called out of business to come pastor a church. Unlikely for people to ever probably be in ministry. Unlikely to come to Roswell. I didn't want to come to Roswell. I, I, didn't, I didn't think anything ugly about it. Just you know, All I saw in Clovis was the murder report growing up in the 80s. I didn't know much about Roswell. Julie's an Oklahoma girl. She doesn't, she doesn't want to come to Roswell. She does like Mexican food, though. And so, unlikely people in an unlikely place. And then we come, next picture. That's, that's all of KOTM. That's kids on the move. That building over there, all the kids on the move, that was it. And we thought those blue chairs were the bomb, man. Those were cool. Next picture. Some of you sitting in this room, setting those blue chairs. How many of you sit in the blue chairs, man? Raise your hand. Look around. There's some of you. Yeah, it's awesome. And this is when we dedicated this ground. Now, look at this place. This is a beautiful field, isn't it? Boy, how, look how beautiful that is. To Over this direction, to the right, is the dump. It's still there. We get all a bunch of trash in the smell. And then this direction's the jail. Now, this field is set empty probably for a million years. It's It's dirt between the dump and the jail and God picks this location to build the church in Roswell, New Mexico. And then he builds it with some unlikely people. He builds it with people that have been in church all their life that are going to church with people that have been doing drugs and alcohol almost all their He builds it with people that have brown skin and white skin and black skin and people from the Philippines and people from this place and this place and another place. He builds it from people that come from extremely dysfunctional families and from good families. He builds it with people from the north side of Roswell, the south side of Roswell, from Mexico, (laughs) from all over. He takes an unlikely place and an unlikely people, and he says, I'm going to build my church here. And then he does this. Next picture. We start laying a foundation over here. Next picture. And this is the foundation we laid. We laid a foundation of cement physically, but spiritually, our foundation was that Bible. That we were going to build this church based on the word of God. And that we were going to accept anybody that walked in the doors. And we're going to introduce them to Jesus. And he was going to love them unconditionally. But he's also going to give them uncompromisingly truth. And so they were going to show up one way. But they weren't going to stay that way. They were going to change. Because of these two foundations. The one we're standing on and that word that we put in this foundation. Next picture. <laughs> Next picture. Uh, I remember the day we put that steeple up, and the day we put the cross up. I dreamed that, I designed that in my mind before it ever was on paper. Next picture. I used to stand in this grass area right here at the bottom of the screen And look across and see this. And I believe it was a God dream. Next picture. Next one. Then we built that. Next one. Then we started building KOTM. Flip through the next one. And the next one. I remember when we put the Bible on the foundation at KOTM, it was really cold, it was snowing. And I remember the construction workers were just standing there watching, trying to pour cement in freezing cold weather in a hurry. But when we began to pray, the spirit of the Lord fell. And I remember those construction guys standing around crying. And I, I remember many of us in this church standing there crying in the freezing cold. Next picture. In the next one. Now we have that kid's on the move. From those blue chairs in that one room to that one. I'm going to stop right there because I showed you pictures of buildings and construction. But the most important part was the 44,000 people in the last 20 years that we played with that they accepted Jesus for the first time or rededicated their life, 44,000, just in the last 20 years. I mean, if you don't believe that God chooses an unlikely place in an unlikely location, the average church size in America is 184. 50% of all churches are 75 or less. That's not even these two sections together. The overwhelming majority of churches are 350. 90% of all churches are 350 or less. God's built a church that's in the top 5% in the the world. In the world. In Roswell, America, in a field with all kinds of people from every walk of life. Between the dump and the jail on the south side of Roswell. He chooses unlikely people in unlikely places. That will just submit to him. And he does marvelous, incredible things. He wants to do it. He's done it for us. He wants to do it for you. I got so much more to talk about next week. And so many more pictures to show you. Of things to come. Listen, every eye closed. Man, I hope That whether you're here or online watching this today or tomorrow, that you see yourself through God's mirror. And that you see that He made it so visible that He, the the God, the invisible God, is seen. And that He's made it so visible that not only is He awesome, not only is He the creator of a, a massive universe. that he's your creator of you. And we're his masterpiece, not the stars, not the sun, not the planet. We're his masterpiece. He loves us so much, he said, he's counted every hair on your head. He loves this this planet. He said, I count every sparrow that falls. And then he says this, if I pay attention to the sparrows, And he says he pays attention. He knows exactly the number of sparrows on the planet. He said, how much more do I care about you, my creation, who I made in my image and my likeness? He loves you. He created you. And he gives you an opportunity to be adopted by him and become a son or a daughter But he's not a two-bit dictator or a control freak. He's not going to make you do that. He says this. He said, let me uh, me offer you a choice. You can serve me and submit your life to me freely. Or you can continue to be forced into slavery of sin and death of the worst parts of you of the curse of the fall of mankind because of sin. Or you can let me love you. Let me forgive you of your sins by the blood of Jesus who died for those sins. You can let me save you and rescue you. And you can go to heaven forever. And you can live in this life free from the dominion, from the slavery of sin. You might sin, but you won't no longer be a slave to it anymore. I can set you free. I can rescue you, he says. I want to. I love you. I can show you your purpose and plan. And it's never too late or never too early. David was 13. Mary was 14, 15. Jeremiah was a teenager. All the disciples were under 20 years old except one. Listen to me. You're never too old or never too young. But regardless of what age you are, regardless of whether you're male or female, God says this if you'll give me your life, I'll show you your destiny. He's the only one that can do it. He says, A man plans his way, but I'll guide your steps. Make a plan. Trust me to guide you, direct you to open and close doors. You don't have to kick down doors, I'll open and close doors. If you'll just start moving, Start moving closer to him. Start doing something. He'll guide you, direct you. If you don't know this God, we, he wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants to save your life. If you don't know him, but you want to, we want to pray with you right now. For the first time, we want to pray with you right now. Maybe you've known him and you've run away from home. He, just run back. Just right now, run back to him. Just run home. I, 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 I didn't know him and I prayed and I, I knew him and I ran away from him, but he didn't run away from me, thank God, he brought me back and I would keep coming home and coming home and now I don't run away from home, I always run to home. He'll teach you the same things he taught me He loves you the same as much as he loves me. He loves you. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you need to pray and get right with God before you leave here or before you sign off on on, on YouTube or whatever you're watching this on. Listen, let's pray right now. I'm going to ask you, uh, if you're watching online, to send us a message. I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. Right now. Do that right now. Post that. Send that. Whatever you do right now. In this room, I'm going to ask you right now, on the count of three, to raise your hand and say, It's me. I need to get right with God. And then put your hand down. There's no strings attached to that. We're all going to pray right where you're seated. So here we go. Online, send that send that in right now in this room. On the count of three, just raise your hand up high and say, it's me, I need to get right with God. One, two, three. Put your hand up right now. All around the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All around the room. All around the room. Around the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see all those hands. You can put them down. Let's pray. Let's pray with the people in this room and those online. Let's pray right now. Let's all pray together. Say this together. Say, God, I believe you are God. In God alone. I believe you love us. You love me. And that you made me for a purpose. I believe that. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. You raised him from the dead. And you did that to rescue me. So I could go to heaven when I die. And I won't waste this life. That I'll live your destiny. Your purpose for creating me. I believe that. And because I do, I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord. Jesus Christ of my life I give you my life submit it to you all of me to you and I ask you God in Jesus name to forgive me of all the times I disobeyed you rebelled against you and I receive your full forgiveness your full pardon I know I'm forgiven and I'm right with you. Now teach me, Lord, why you created me. The good works, the destiny and purpose for my life. Till I see you in heaven, I will do what you ask me to do. In Jesus' name, thank you for saving my life. So be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank him for his goodness. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.